good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you, and welcome to the first ever Frozen Fanatics Hockey Podcast. My name is Chris Acton, and I'm here to bring you educated hockey talk for the fan and by the fan. I'm, I'm just a regular college student with some extra time on my hands and a passion for the great game of hockey, and I'm aspiring to study analytics and work in an NHL front office someday. I hope that someone hears and enjoys this podcast as much as I enjoy the great game of hockey. My mission kind of in coming up with this podcast was to provide the average hockey fan with a segue between them and the beat writers, broadcasters, and players, a way for me to talk about the sport I love and kind of help others uh, you know, who might not always get their questions answered. Along the way, I really hope to bring in a partner uh, to do these podcasts with me, but for now, you're stuck just listening to my voice. Uh, you know, Since we are right around the All-Star break, and the trade deadline, I figured that the best way to start this uh, this podcast would be to kind of talk about a couple franchises uh, that are in a in a sticky position moving forward. So I will have a five part series entitled "State of the Franchise." Uh, the series will talk about five different organizations. Uh, that people have a lot of questions about. The first few episodes will feature Chicago Blackhawks, followed by the Detroit Red Wings, and the Montreal Canadiens. And then the last two spots will be filled by uh, requests. They'll be up to suggestion um, from people other than me. I'm going to try to keep these episodes around 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, you know, so and without further ado, it's time to jump into it with the State of the Franchise, Chicago Blackhawks edition. And oh boy, uh, you know where to start I guess you know let's we we can start with the most obvious and work our way to the least obvious uh you know right off the top uh, Chicago right now is last place in the central division currently with a record of uh, 22 19 and 7 for a total of 51 points which is six points out of the last wild card spot uh not a position we're used to seeing this team in and you know they have three teams uh, in between them in that spot, so they're going to have to jump four teams in these last 30, 35 games uh, to make a playoff push. So right now, things are not overly optimistic for the Blackhawks, but uh, you never know what can happen. So like I said, we're going to start out with the obvious. This team has some terrible contracts. There's there's no other way to put it. Um, and I think we're kind of seeing the long-term effect of you know some of these bad contracts and it's really really bizarre to me uh, we talk about Stan Bowman and the genius that is Stan and Scotty Bowman um, and in, in many respects they deserve that but contract negotiation is one area I have questions uh, you know we seem to be seeing guys going into negotiation with Stan Bowman and coming out with exactly what they went in to get or even more um, I know we saw Richard Panic last year at the two by two point eight million dollar deal uh after he signed the contract some of his quotes were that he was blown away by the offer when he went in and talked to stan bowman um so it's really bizarre to me most places you see long contract negotiations you see uh you know the little back and forth but it seems lately in chicago we've seen guys just going in and signing whatever has stan bowman on the table because uh, you know that offer is more than either at what they were going to ask for or more than they were going to ask for. There's no negotiation. Uh, I mean, example A, Brent Seabrook. 
um, or at age 30, signed a eight-year, $55 million contract. He is signed at a $6.875 million cap hit through 2024. Um, and that right now is the big issue, with obviously, with the contracts. I mean, you don't need to tell anybody that. We all know it. Uh, and then you have the Kane and Tave situation at $10.5 million apiece, you know, do these guys take a home downtown discount? Did it ever cross their mind? Uh, you know, could Stan Bowman have got them into uh, an eight-year, nine million deal, nine point nine point five million dollar deal? Uh, you know, that saves two to three million dollars just on their contracts. So there's just a lot of questions coming up with, uh, you know, what is Stan Bowman doing? What, you know, what is, what is his what is the method to his madness? I guess is what I'm trying to say because it's it's really been puzzling to me. Um, all these contracts and stats you can find on CapFriendly.com, which is a website that I love to use. Uh, they have the salary cap tables for this year and future. The biggest tool is called the Armchair GM, which I love. It allows you as a fan to take over uh, the team and kind of show what you want done. Um, you know, in the future, and you can share it with the public and, you know, get feedback from other people. So it's a really cool to tool. Um, and for this series, I created uh, two Blackhawks teams uh, just to kind of show, you know, what I think should happen or what should have happened. The first one I'm going to talk about, um, I like to call it if Stan Bowman was perfect. You know, we talk about all the salary cap casualties this team has had. Um, but there have been some unnecessary losses in the last few years. Um, first off, I'll just read off a, a lineup that could be the 2018-2019 Chicago Blackhawks if Stan Bowman made some different decisions um, that I think he should have made. Uh, the only hypothetical in here really that didn't happen is I have them signing Joe Thor into a one-year contract for next year. So this lineup has Brandon Saad, Jonathan Taves, Alex Dabrinkit on the first line. Pretty standard for there now. Uh, second line is where it gets into questioning Stan Bowman. Uh, this team could have Artemi Panarin still on that second line left wing with Joe Thornton up the middle and Patrick Kane down the right side. Uh, the third line I have Nick Schmaltz, Tavo Teravainen, and Anthony Duclair. Um, and in the fourth line, I have Christopher Stieg, Philip Deneau down the middle, uh, John Hayden on the right wing with Vinny Henestroza as the 13th forward. I mean, this could be an incredible forward group. And again, it comes down to, you know, what was Stan Bowman really thinking? Uh, Tara Vinen gone to Carolina because of the Brian Bickle deal. A four-year, $4 million a year deal for a guy that, scored 23 points in 48 games and 24 points in 71 games uh, leading up to his contract year. I know he had the big playoff in 2013 uh, when they won the cup, but I still don't think one playoff run really can warrant uh, a 4 by 4 contract. That's just beyond me. Uh, moving to the fourth line center, I think Philip Deneau could be one of the, if not the best, two-way fourth line center in the NHL, potentially. Um, and again, we saw a trade to go all in for a Stanley Cup where he was traded for Thomas Fleischman and um, Dale Weiss uh, from the Montreal Canadiens in 2016. And that one was just bizarre to me. 
because as much influence as Q has, uh, Coach Quenville has with the upper management, uh, you know, you trade for these guys and then they're healthy scratched the rest of the regular season and throughout the playoffs. So it's really just bizarre to me uh, why those moves were even made. Uh, so those are two two big things. Um, and back to the Panarin deal. Uh, you know, my philosophy behind that is after the 2015 Cup, trade Patrick Sharp still, but trade him for picks or for a guy or two on an entry-level contract. Uh, it doesn't have to be a blue-chip prospect. But when you trade Saad's $6 million, I mean, Sharp's almost $6 million salary away, but you bring back $4 million in salary only to release Garbutt and trade Trevor Daly um, to the Penguins for pretty much nothing and retaining his salary is just mind-blowing. Uh, so if, if you trade away Sharp for low-cap hits, uh, you sign Seabrook to an 8x5 contract instead of an 8 by 6875 contract. Um, and then it, that already gives you the cap space to sign Brandon Saad to his 6 by 6 deal that he's currently on. Uh, not to mention, like I said, if you get Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane down to a 9 or $9.5 million figure. So, I mean, realistically, this team could have Saad, Panarin, Deneau, and Teravine and all in the lineup plus more um, with relative ease. Uh, moving on to the defense, I have the first pairing uh, with Duncan Keith and Jan Ruda. Second pairing, uh, Nick Letty and Connor Murphy. And the third pair as Gustav Forsling and Brent Seabrook at a $5 million cap hit, uh, like I stated earlier. And then Trevor Van Riemsdyk as the seventh defenseman. I mean, I know hindsight is always twenty twenty, but... Uh, there's been a lot of questionable moves, and you know this team could look completely different and could be an every year Stanley Cup contender still uh, if some of the right moves were made. So you know I understand at the time Bowman going all in. Uh, a lot of fans thought the Cup window was closing, so he did everything he could to extend it a little further. But realistically, I think there uh, you know there was a much better way to go about it. Uh, kind of moving on to my second hypothetical situation. Um, this is more uh, in a perfect world for next year. Um, so for unrestricted free agent signings, I have them signing uh, Jan Ruda to a one-year, $1 million deal. Ian Cole uh, to a 4 by $3 million deal. Uh, Evander Kane, long shot. I know it won't happen, but a 6 by 6 deal. And then Michael Kempney to a one-year, $1 million deal. I have them re-signing Vinny Henestroza, John Hayden, Ryan Hartman, Eric Gustafson, and Anthony Duclair, all to around a million dollars, give or take. Um, and then bringing in Dylan Secura and whoever the first round draft pick is. Um, you know, I went out on a limb guessing that they're probably going to miss the playoffs, and somehow if they win the lottery, uh, we have Rasmus down for the perfect world situation. So kind of some moves to make way for all this. Uh, first off, Brent Seabrook. How the heck do you get rid of that contract? Uh, my my situation, I have the Hawks trading the 2019 or 2020 first round pick as well as the opposite third round pick with Brent Seabrook to the Florida Panthers uh, for a third and a fifth round pick. This situation is hard because this contract is an absolute dumpster fire. 
and there's no real good way around it. I don't know if there's any way around it at all, but I felt that out of any team, it would have to be Florida or Arizona to take the contract. We've got a history with Arizona, uh, with a few trades there, but I I went with Florida for the hypothetical situation because I think it kind of fits better. Uh, the second trade I have Artem Anisimov and a 2019 Chicago fourth round pick uh, for Alex Gilchenyuk and a 2019 sixth round pick. Now I know Gilchenyuk obviously has a higher ceiling than Anisimov. He's much younger, number three overall pick. You're not telling me anything I don't know. But Montreal is going to have to sell low on him. Um, Mark Bergevin's leash is getting shorter and shorter. Uh, I think he's getting impatient, and Galchenyuk's value is way down. Uh, so I think they are looking to move him. I think they are actively shopping him. And Montreal badly needs centers. And I think I think Chicago uh, giving them an Isimov gives them a solid number two and number three center, which they don't, they don't even have that right now. They have, you know, Phil, I think... I mean, they have Philip Deneau, Thomas Plekanec, um, and then you have the revolving door of is Galchenyuk going to play center? Is Drewen going to play center? Uh, so I think having a solid middle six center um, with a decent draft pick, a, a third or a fourth, hypothetically, um, I think it could. Will it get the job done? I don't know because I'm sure there are many teams vying for Galchenyuk's services um, because I think. I mean, I think around the league, everybody knows his ceiling. I think everybody knows what he can bring to a team. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But those are the two trades I have. So going through the lineup, I think this lineup would be absolutely stellar. Uh, Brandon Saad, Jonathan Taves, and Alex Kilchenyuk on the first line, followed by Evander Kane, uh, Nick Schmaltz, and Patrick Kane. Third line, Alex DeBrinkett, centered by Dylan Secura, uh, with Anthony Duclair up the right side. And then Ryan Hartman, John Hayden, and Vinny Hinnestroza on the fourth line. And then um, having Alexander Fortan and David Kampf as the extra forwards. Alexander Fortan came into camp, had a stellar camp. Uh, nobody, he's an undrafted guy. I think he, he could be a dark horse uh, for this team. He's got a lot of speed, a lot of skill. Had some injury problems. Uh, we'll see if he could put all together. Um, but then on defense, Duncan Keith and Rasmus Dahlin. What prayer do we need to say to have that happen um, on the first pairing? Uh, second pairing, Ian Cole, Connor Murphy. And then third pairing, Gustav Forsling and Jan Ruda with Michael Kempney as the seventh defense, defenseman. That gives you a 23-man roster uh, that I really think can compete with anyone. Dylan Secura is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, late bloomer, scoring a lot of points at Northeastern in the, in the NCAA. Uh, so that'll be one to really watch to see how he develops. Nick Schmaltz, another year older. Um, and, you know, the speed and the skill with him and Patrick Kane, I think Evander Kane uh, really would bring you know, a good a skill and a power forward aspect to that line. Uh, kind of similar to a Brandon Saad, a big, strong guy that can really shoot the puck. Um, but, you know, it, it all depends on the attitude of him, of Kane. Um, you know, if, if he leaves Buffalo, which I think he will, uh, you know, what he kind of decides to do. Um, but that could be an interesting one. I think that's a long shot. Obviously, this is a long shot, but that's a perfect world situation. And that team has a cap hit of 
under $72 million. And the salary cap is projected to go up to between 80 and $82 million this year. So, I mean, it's very feasible financially if you can dump the Brent Seabrook contract. Um, but, I mean, it just goes to show you, you know, what's really possible and that uh, they, they could get it done. They could turn this around uh, really in a hurry. Um, but kind of just... I know it's it's easy to talk about hypothetical situations when you don't when you're not the GM when you don't have anything to lose you know you're just playing on that computer I get that um, I think these are realistic to an extent uh, but they're obviously very optimistic so just kind of moving on to talking about where the team is at uh, like I said 51 points last place in the Central Division after winning the Central Division with 108 or 109 points last year. Uh, it was a big culture shock for this team. Uh, obviously, they're riding a nine-year playoff streak, um, so not making the playoffs would be a giant letdown. This this team is just puzzling. You know, I, I watch night in, night out, and it just, it just doesn't make sense. This is a team that two years ago, if you put them three or four points out of the playoffs, and you give them a six-game homestand, which I just got off a six-game homestand. That team goes five and one, six and zero, oh, and by the time you look back, they're in the playoffs by two or three points. They're not just contending for it. But we get back for this homestand, right? And you have the All-Star break on one end of it. You have um, your bye week right in the middle of it. Six games at home with a record of one four and one, a four nothing shutout to. The Detroit Red Wings, who we'll talk about later, are a dumpster fire themselves. Uh, a 7-3 loss to a New York Islanders team at home, which the Islanders have talent. They, you know, they had a good start to the season, but they are they're a very average team with bad goaltending, and you can't get it done. A, a good effort against the Tampa Bay Lightning in a 2-0 shutout loss. Obviously, Tampa's an incredible team. And then you close it out with an overtime, a six-second overtime loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs, a game where they outshot the Maple Leafs. They they played decent enough to win, but it's it's just not there. I don't I don't know what it is. It's you know I get it. Everyone's a year older. Duncan Keith is in his mid thirties now. Brent Seabrook is what Brent Seabrook is. Jonathan Taves is MIA you know I mean he, he still puts up points at a decent pace but that that killer instinct that we saw with Jonathan Taves every every shift hunting down pucks scoring goals playing 200 foot it's just not there I mean he's still a great two-way center he's still the number one center but at 10.5 million dollars at some point we gotta ask what's going on I mean he's 29 years old you know I mean, he's he's at the end of the peak of his career. I mean, him. I, I would say him and Kane peak. Kane is in the middle of his peak right now. I think Kane still has two, three more years of dominant hockey and then another two to three years of really, really good hockey after that. Taves, I mean, we th when he got paired with Schmaltz at the end of last season, we thought he was going to bounce back. Uh, you know, bring Saad back, we thought he was going to bounce back. But nothing, nothing is sustained for the captain, and it just I, there's no explanation at this point. Uh, you know, obviously he knows he's frustrated too. He says he needs to be better. The team needs to be better, um, but but it hasn't happened so far, which it's it's just mind-boggling. And then obviously, 
with Corey Crawford out, has been out for a month and potentially out for another three weeks to a month. Um, you know, this team, Scott Darling is not here anymore. You know, you're relying on Jeff Glass, a 32-year-old rookie, and Anton Forsberg, who has played well, but the stats are not there. The stats are bad, which I, I get that he's been unlucky and he's had some bad performances in front of him, but sooner or later you got to face the music and say, you know, is is this season lost, uh, you know, and, and kind of move forward to next year in the future. Um, so we'll see what happens. If this team buys at the deadline, I would uh, I would be appalled. Um, more than likely they'll just stand pat at the deadline. Like I said, they could sell, but it would be a small-scale sell, um, moving maybe an Isimov. I mean, Connor Murphy is the only other really movable player on this roster. You're not moving Duncan Keith. He's on a great team-friendly contract, even though he's declining. You're not trading Seabrook. You're not trading Kane or Taves. You're not trading Saad. Um, and I would hope you're not trading the, you know, Nick Schmaltz, uh, Anthony Duclair, Vinny Henestros. I would hope you're not selling your young, cheap guys who haven't re reached their potential yet. It's it, it, it's a tough one. It, it really is. I mean, you know, what what do we have to blame? Is it the bad contracts? Is does this team simply not have it anymore? Is it? I mean, have they have they lost faith in the faith in the coach? Uh, there's been lots of talk about Joel Quenville being out after this season or next season if he can't get it together. You know, have have the players started to tune him out? Uh, it's a tough one to call. You never, you know, you never can tell what's going in inside of a hockey. What's going on inside of a hockey locker room? It's a it's a sacred place, um, and it's very tight lipped as you can tell. Um, you know, there's never there's never a lot of juicy information coming out of a hockey locker room. It's it's status quo. It's minimal information. Um, you know, so it, it it is hard to tell. But I think you know if we want to bring it back, uh, there's been some bad moves on everybody's part um, from the top down. Like I said, Stan Bowman has signed some bad contracts. Joel Quenville has made some questionable personnel decisions with his teams. And then ultimately, ultimately it comes back on the players. Like I said, Taves is not performing. Duncan Keith is no longer a Norris Trophy candidate. Uh, you know, I mean, Patrick Kane is really the only one performing like how we thought coming into the season. Uh, Nick Schmaltz has had a pretty good season, but nothing crazy. Alex Dabrinkit has been a bright spot. Uh, he's going to be fun to watch in the future. But Hartman uh, going through a little bit of a sophomore slump after last year. I mean, he still has decent stats, but been healthy scratched a few times it's it's just bizarre i mean and then you see guys like cody franzen being put on waivers and sent down to the minors uh, you know now we have gustav forsling in the minors so i think i think right around the trade deadline uh, this team is kind of trying to gather itself i hope joel quenville and upper management uh you know figure out the direction they want to go I, I think the worst thing ever for a franchise is not knowing um you know where to go uh, I, I don't want to give any spoilers or talk down on a team, but Ken Holland and the Detroit Red Wings are a perfect example to look at. Um, you know, they, they lost their playoff streak, and they have a lot of young talent, uh, you know, coming up. A lot of young guys that you can count on, but then they make moves like signing a, a mid-30-year-old defenseman in, Ryan da in uh, Trevor Daly 
to a three-year, three-plus-million-dollar-a-year contract, um, you know, when you have a, a lot of young guys that are playing well and you're going to have to pay them, but you continue to sign veterans even though, I mean, you know you're on the outside looking in. So I think that's the main thing for um, the Chicago Blackhawks right now is deciding the direction they're going to go and sticking to it. I think we've already seen them kind of stick to it. That's why they traded Anthony Duclair um, for Richard Panic. He's younger, he's cheaper, he's faster. Uh, that's why Vinny Hinnestros has been called up. He's fast, he's skilled. That's why Cody Franzen has been set down in exchange for Eric Gustafson. Younger, faster, more offense, puck moving. Uh, so I think this team is going in the right direction. Um, but there are some major decisions that have to be made. Um, first and foremost is going to be what happens to Brent Seabrook in the offseason. Uh, so it, it'll be fun to follow. This is still a very good team. Uh, they're right there, but they're obviously not a Stanley Cup contender. They just It's a team that's a few bounces away from being in the playoffs, a few bounces away from being a, a mediocre less team. They're just kind of hanging around. So my prediction right now is they miss the playoffs by a considerable margin. We'll see how the draft lottery tr treats them. Uh, we have a deep draft this year. So it should be pretty entertaining to kind of see what they get in the draft uh, and what they do with it. Uh, Stan Bowman's definitely got his work cut out from the offseason. If he he promised changes last year after a first-round sweep, I can't imagine uh, what's going to be going through his head if they miss, miss the playoffs this year. Uh, I think next year they're right back in it. I don't think they're – I mean, they could be a Stanley Cup contender. Again, you have 12 players on this roster under 25 years old. Uh, if half of them, three-quarters of them, all of them – get considerably considerably better during the summer i mean this could be a scary scary team uh come the fall but you know as good as they can be um it's going to come back down to the core again uh, can duncan keith perform for a few more years ken taves get his mojo back uh, does kane stay at his point per game pace uh so you know it, it's really going to be interesting to see uh, i think i don't think this is a team in a bad position necessarily uh, they're just having a bad season, a bad year. Uh, last year, a lot of one-goal games, a lot of bounces went their way, and this year it's just not happening. Um, there's a lot of mad fans, and I, I, I get that. Um, but I think they're headed in the right direction for the future. Um, my prediction, the Stanley Cup window is closed for this year, next year, and possibly the following year. But I think in two to three years, uh, this team should be, um, you know, depending on how they draft, depending a lot on the defensive core because I think their defensive core is going to need a major overhaul in the next year or two. So depending on how that goes, I think this is a team that can uh, be a contender again in two, three, four, five years. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, but uh, that's all I got for today. Uh, next time I'll be talking about the Detroit Red Wings and the state of their franchise. I appreciate anybody who listened. Uh, and just stay tuned for more. This is this is my first time uh, running a podcast. Uh, this is my first time really doing any sort of recording. Um, so it's a work in progress. Uh, I will get better at it. Um, and it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, thank you if you listen again. Um, and ha have a good day. And we'll see you soon.